0: Hello and welcome to the Worst Movies We Own podcast. This is
1: Natalie Carroll,
0: my beautiful wife, and I am Bobby Carroll. This episode, we have watched
1: Prehistoric Women,
0: also known as
1: Slave Girls. From what year, Natalie? 1967. Never, never, Natalie,
0: tell the people at home what the Worst Movies We Own podcast is all about.
1: So Bobby and I are married, we spend a lot of time watching films, Uh, we've got a lot of DVDs, and we've decided to watch the very worst DVDs we own according to the average ratings each DVD's received on the website Letterboxd. We're hoping that some of the low rated films will surprise us and not be so bad after all, so we're watching each one with an open mind, even the ones we've seen before, hoping for the best. We've not bought any of the films specifically for the project. It's a mixture of things we've accrued over the years, charity shop finds, random stuff included in box sets, and films we've bought that other people just don't write. I
0: guess there's a box setter yes. from our hammer collection.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think we've got by any means all the hammer films.
0: No, nowhere near. But no. I think we've got a good selection of the hammer horror and thrillers and um prehistoric adventures, <laughs> yeah. is what I would call them. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, in a box set, and yeah we've got got most most of the hits in there too, which yeah. is good it's a good healthy box set mm-hmm. and this allegedly is the worst one in there
1: yeah, mm-hmm. which is interesting, because 'cause I've seen a few of the ones in there, and they are pretty
0: pretty poor <laughs> yeah there's, there's, I'd say there's some more rubbish ones like uh, Bleak of the zombies pretty really well yeah, bad. that was really bad uh y- you have a horror fan
1: i'm not I'm not really I like Atticus more. Um, Amicus. Amicus. Yeah, Atticus. Amicus. Mm -hmm. In terms of of films of that era that fall within horror. Because to me, they're more like horror films. uh, Amicus uh, scared me when I was a kid. And you
0: like Portmanteaus as well, don't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, there was one we watched not that long ago where it's all set on a train and they're telling different stories. I'm pretty sure that was Amicus. Doctor Terror's House of Horrors, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, They're just that much better than Mm. The Hammer. The Hammers look cheap. And um, I think... A lot of them are very dated. Sub for them to the carry ons.
0: Okay, yeah, I mean, that kind of hammer's a weird one for me because it feels like something I should be really into. Mm-hmm. But it, I was probably just a little bit too young to enjoy them when they were on late night.
1: Yeah.
0: And was into other, other cult things
1: mm-hmm.
0: more readily as I started getting into films. Yeah. Uh, or broadening my horizon of films. So they've always kind of sat at something, but I thought, oh, I must get around and sort of watch more Hammer films and figure them out. And I've never watched one that I've absolutely loved, loved. No. There's there's a few I like a lot, but I've never watched one that I've gone, oh, that's it, um, it's cracked. What, what Hammer horrors have you enjoyed?
1: I like The Nanny.
0: Yeah, that's in my top five. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. I mean, I like the Dracula ones, but that's mainly because of Christopher Lee. And they all
0: kind—they of, all kind of blend into one. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to separate so, them. Yeah, out. I'm the same way. Um, Devil rides out.
1: Yeah, that's a good one.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably one of the better ones as well. Um, that's what this was in the dub with in the UK. So if you went to see okay. Devil rides out, this was the B feature.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay.
0: Uh, and then another couple I've enjoyed: uh, The Witches which is not The role of The Witches. No, I'm not... Joan Fontaine that. goes to, like, a town that seems to be run by witches. Oh, okay, so, so that's, that's like got Joan
1: Fontaine in it. It's got a bit more credibility. Yeah, it yeah.
0: does. Uh, Christopher Lee's in, like, a, a biopic of Rasputin with loads of horror called Rasputin the Mad yeah. That's a good one. Uh-huh. Uh, I quite enjoyed Captain Cronos uh, Vampire Hunter.
1: Oh, I, see. I didn't get anything out of that. No? I found that very confusing hmm. to really follow it.
0: But I think if you're watching a Hammer film, you're kind of expecting period setting
1: mm-hmm.
0: cleavage and red paint blood yeah and you get a combination of those three things and it's, that's kind of what they all deliver there's, um, there's a whole bunch of like kind of modern day set psychological thrillers that we haven't watched yet but they're quite well liked so they're not going to be covered in this podcast though, ah, right. but we should get around to watching those at some point i'm sure we will so natalie before we start is there anything you want to get off your chest
1: Um, I'm going to add a little caveat because I am probably going to go ahead and say quite a lot of positive things about the film and I am just wanting to put it out there that I'm not saying that it is a film that people should seek out because I think it is one that very much belongs to its time. Mm -hmm. It's not one that I would have watched had we not been doing this podcast and it's not one that I will probably watch again. Um, But... I think I was really not looking forward to watching it. I expected it to be a, an excruciating experience based on what it's called and um, what I knew the general plot to be. But uh, this isn't really a good thing to say about it. It's it's a lot more racist than it is sexist. So it's not as personally offensive as I thought it was going to be. Yet it is very offensive.
0: Shall we just cover that, the how modern eyes are going to take it now, but we don't have to cover it at length. Yeah, sure. During the main questions, because yeah, I I was expecting a film set in Africa uh, involving African tribesmen and um, tribes of women in bikinis to be more sex- racist and more sexist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for the first 30 40 minutes, it kind of almost gets away with it, and you're kind of mm-hmm. going, all right, so it's playing to some old imperialist colonialist tropes mm-hmm. of storytelling from sort of the Victorian Edwardian era. Yeah. But it's not crossing any lines. Mm. It's not, there's nothing you could really put your finger on apart from it's telling a mode of story that's outdated. Yeah. And then there's the ceremony of selection. Yeah. And you have, like, kind of a black man behind a mask and his eyes bugging out, <laughs> watching it, and he's dead, very much felt like the other because he's, he's not part of one of the white slave tribes. He's, he's a black man. And he's sexual leering. And yeah. Yeah, and then some of the women are subs- definitely subservient during that part, and that's kind of almost what lets it down from that point onwards. Especially when it's revealed he's not a monster in the woods; he's just a black man in the mask, and that's the that's a fate worse than death. Let's yeah, off of him.
1: I think watching it through modern eyes, I was expecting something very different from this mysterious tribe whose faces you don't see. Yeah. I didn't. My mind didn't even go to oh, it's it's, it's going to be a, a tribe of African men. Yeah, because, because... that is so offensive mm. yeah. um, that you just you wouldn't see anything like that now mm. you'd hope um, but yeah the, there's a 10 minute sequence I think it was about 10 minutes of just of, of black men in mock African dress mm. chasing after white blonde women yeah uh, and grabbing them out of tre- out of the, from the trees swooping down and it is just just it's,
0: and it's very much playing to white racist attitudes of the time
1: yeah
0: uh, attitudes that people who are still kicking around voting have well yeah (laughs) um but i would say there's enough stuff that whether accidentally or maybe slightly more progressively toes the line during the film that while you can't forgive those sequences is in the main slightly better than you'd expect a a 60s film yeah within the, the mode of storytelling it is to be.
1: If it didn't have that bit, I would be saying that this is essentially a film that feels a little bit like it's been written by a teenage boy in the 50s or 60s, mm. someone who loves boys' own adventures and women with big boobs. Mm. And he's just combined the two in his mind.
0: I could see either of our dads paying <laughs> 2D or a shilling or whatever they used to have to pay to go to the <laughs> cinema to see this. And as like... 13, 15 year old lads being quite happy with what they saw yeah. as the adventure movie and not in any way seeing it as being racist or sexist, even though it is Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And that's that's fair. Okay.
0: Um what's the plot of <laughs> what's the plot of prehistoric Robin? Slash slave girls, slash what well, its original title, Slave Girls of the White Rhino. Oh. Yeah.
1: So where's it called slave girls?
0: Slave Girls was in the UK. You've got to remember Back in the day, they sometimes would cheekily try and re-release a film next year with a different title to oh, get you okay. in again. Right. <laughs>
1: well, it's prehistoric women on our box set, so we will stick with that. Yeah. I think that's just for the best all round, really. Um. So we're in Africa, um, I guess, early 1900s, late yeah. 1800s, maybe. Um, it, could be, it could be the 60s. No, that's no, not, because,
0: yeah, that's no, right. I stand corrected, yeah, it must be during the turn of the...
1: Yeah. Yeah, the 1920s um there's a hunter or a man who helps rich uh, colonialists hunt called david mm-hmm. uh he's chasing a wounded leopard through the jungle um and he wanders into the territory of a tribe which wor- worships a big white rhino um and during some kind of ceremony they send him into another patch of land that looks like paradise and it's inhabited only by women um so it seems uh they're all white women mm-hmm. um but there are brunettes who are in charge and blonde women who are kind of like their slaves slave girls i guess that's where the title comes from mm-hmm. um so the queen of the brunettes is called kari and she offers david the chance to co-rule with her uh but he's not keen because she's not very nice yeah and he also, he, she wants him to be subordinate to her and he just can't accept that um But then a blonde slave girl who he fancies convinces him to pretend to want Kari and be her husband so that the blondes can have someone on their side when they do revolt.
0: Bang on. Bang on. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Also, the blonde women occasionally get kind of given up as brides to these mysterious mask-wearing men called the devils, yeah. Yeah. Who are a neighbouring tribe.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Lovely stuff. Um... Should we do some like facts and then we'll move on to main questions? Yeah. There's I mean there's not a lot to discuss because being a film from the sixties, a lot of the hard data's been lost in the mist of time. Um Prehistoric Woman, nineteen sixty seven, uh is directed, produced and written by a gentleman called Michael Carreras. Um he he takes a pseudonym for his screenwriting credit as Henry Younger, mm-hmm. but According to the internet, he, he did it all. He is the son of one of the many founded Hammer Horror, oh. and became like the executive in charge of Hammer Horror. Uh, and this film was made very much to use the sets and costumes they made for um, One Million Years BC,
1: okay, a couple
0: of years earlier. So it was seen as almost like a write-off to increase the profits of that success, rather right. than something that needed to be successful in its own right. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, that like kind of the details about how much it cost to make are quite vague because some websites say it cost 140,000, which feels about right mm. for that time, but others say that's um, just need what it needed to make to break even. I, I get the feeling it didn't really cost a lot, in all honesty. Mm. Um, it was it, it was there as a tax write off. Okay. Uh, starring, Martin Beswick, Michael Latimer, Adina Rone. Carol White, who is in all the early Ken Loach films. Oh, okay. She's um, in Poor Cow and Cathy Come Home. Oh. Yvonne Horner. Robert Ragland and a young Stephen Burkhoff at the but very he's end. It. He is. He it's a one-line role, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's the most famous person in it to modernise. I don't like Stephen Burkoff. No, no one does, but he's, he's quite restrained in his one line here. No spitting. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no bulging, figgled <laughs> <laughs> uh, It was released on the 7th of July 1967, as I said before, in a double bill with a devil rides out, one of hammer horror's best, in my opinion. Uh, it has a left box score of two point four, and mm. we know what problems they have. With this film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it starts. Surprise! It's not low. Surprise <laughs> <laughs> starts with a beautiful animal being shot, yeah. and only gets worse <laughs> from sort of the Lisa Simpson concerns to the letterbox, <laughs> box kind of community. It's that movie database equally don't don't rate it and give it four point six, which is quite low for a Hammer as well. Right, uh, I think like your average Hammer gets about the mid fives, and your better ones get the mid sixes. There's nothing that kind of hits the giddy heights of seven.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would have thought no one's seeing this accidentally. There'd be a Hammer fan who's sought it out or have it in their box set or whatever. It's not really one. Or maybe it's something that's shown on that horror film channel.
0: Yeah, it could be on on the horror channel. Yeah. And the American equivalent of that. Mm. Um, And Martina Beswick, Mm -hmm. retrospectively, when asked about the film in the night, he said it's the worst piece of rubbish he's made. What else has she been in? She's been a Bond girl twice, but always kind of a lower-rung Bond girl. I think she's one of the wrestling gypsies in From Russia With Love.
1: Okay. And she was the queen in this, was she? She was one of the brunettes. Yeah.
0: She's kind of like um, the 60s equivalent of a Gemma Arterton, is what I'd say. Like, she's definitely known among people, but it's mainly kind of... Smaller roles and franchise stuff. That's her biggest biggest work.
1: Well, she got the top villain in this, didn't she? Yeah,
0: she's she's the queen. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I mean, she got the top villain above the man.
0: Yeah, he, like... he's he's a stage actor, Michael Lammer.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, and that's it. So let's have a little break, and then we'll discuss what's great and what's <laughs> terrible <laughs> okay. about uh, prehistoric
1: women, and maybe in between. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Natalie,
1: mm-hmm? what did
0: you like? about prehistoric women
1: okay let's start with the sets because you already mentioned the fact that they've been reused Mm -hmm. one of the things i'm not a particular fan of with when it comes to hammer is how cheap it looks Mm -hmm. because there's there's doing stuff on a budget and then there's trying to do grand things but cheap yeah and hammer tends to fall into that category but with this i actually was quite impressed with the sets very much you know, it's obvious it's a studio. There's no getting around that. Yeah. But when he first kind of breaks into the new land, um, and it's paradise, they, they there are all these flowers, and it does, it looks like paradise. They, yeah. They've raided the aviary at London Zoo. And yeah. <laughs> shoved a bunch of pretty I guess it's
0: Cheserton Zoo. Okay. It's just going up. by what's nearby. <laughs>
1: right. Um, but it's got parrots, and it's got peacocks and stuff like that, and it looks really pretty. Um, and... You know, the, the jungle is as convincing as it's going to be yeah. when it's clearly the inside of a studio mm. and the paper mache, kind of uh, rocky um, setting of yeah. where the women live. I, I quite like all that. Yeah, it, I mean, to me?
0: I was happy with it as well. I think they got full value out of the, the reused, recycled sets and costumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you found the fur bikini?
1: It's the, it's the costumes are exactly what I expected from the title of the film. Mm. It's kind of like she, but yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, very <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you look great in a fur bikini. Oh, really? What what tribe would you go with? The brunettes, or the blondes, because you don't fit into either. We really. don't.
1: Yeah, the the, the red-headed, uh woman is mm-hmm. not represented. No, in I think that would have caused too much confusion.
0: Yeah, it would have been like almost like a coup.
1: They probably murdered all of the redheads for just being awesome.
0: (laughs) Okay, what else did you like? Um,
1: Okay, I'm going to have to tread really carefully here. (laughs) So if I start sounding racist, can you stop me?
0: I don't think I'm the bad to do it, but we'll try our best. Yeah, we'll talk as naturally on the subject as we can. Okay. Being two people who aren't racist. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So there's quite a lot of singing and dancing in the film.
0: Yeah, it was great.
1: Yeah. Okay. Good.
0: <laughs> we just leave it there? The, the, the highlights of the film are is, is, is there's big dance numbers to fill time.
1: Yeah.
0: And add a bit of yeah, ethnic flavour is what I'd call it. Yeah. And they're good. They're like the bits in Coming to America when you know.
1: Well, that's it. And you never know with these things um, whether there's been any effort whatsoever put into making it accurate. And there's no excuse not to because these were filmed outside of London and they could easily. Have gone to some kind of community centre where you know there are clubs where the kind of dance you know there are dances and so it's. I don't. Think, I don't think there's and anyone
0: just... still doing it like a, a, an arse Center they nowhere jungle dance though, is there? No,
1: but there would be some kind of there'd <laughs> be someone who would know okay. <laughs> that they could find somewhere in London to say. The, or have they just asked a group of people to chant some gibberish and just do whatever
0: they want? It would be interesting to know whether someone has basically done a dance number to their homeland tribal song. Yeah. Or a white man has come up with gibberish. It sounded quite convincing. Yeah. But then I say that from a point of view that probably the only um, African music that I know is either Graceland by Paul Simon or stuff in movies like this, which yeah. probably isn't the best way to kind of go, oh yeah, that sounds accurate.
1: I <laughs> mean, it doesn't sound that different or look that different from something in, say, Zulu, yes. <laughs> which is a prestige piece.
0: Yeah, I know, but again, <laughs> my point being, we, we can't tell whether the Zulu chants are accurate Zulu chants or what a white producer or director wanted yeah. from a group of black actors happy to be getting some cash <laughs> to but be it, in the film.
1: It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it sounds nice. And it looks good. They were good agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, but there's also a really interesting um song and dance bit in the middle where the blonde slave like, the blonde slave girls are forced to dance and sing whilst the brunettes enjoy their dinner mm-hmm. which, which's been made for them by the slave girls. Yeah. And it's a really interesting sound. It sounds a little bit like a kind of Greek, ancient Greek lament yeah. that you would get in the middle of a tragic play. Mm-hmm. And it sounds really good.
0: The dance itself was a little bit of a mashup. There's a bit of ballet a bit of pans people in there. <laughs> I like, quite like that.
1: Yeah. It was, it was, I mean, it wasn't just do what you want. It was choreographed. It yeah, was, was synchronised. I would, I
0: would agree with that. You've got, I'd say four choreographed dance numbers in the film mm-hmm. and they're all very, very pleasant to watch. Yeah. Very kinetic and, uh, yeah, yeah, they fill the time quite nicely because there's other times where there's not that else going on.
1: Well, yeah, it, it does break up the film and, and, um, yeah. and it's not. I didn't expect it to have that in it, so mm. that that was nice. Um, I would say that there isn't that much kind of um, wheel spinning in the film. I, I think it is quite tight.
0: I, it's not that the the plot is lazy. It, yeah, it, it it runs its rail. I'd, I'd say that's definitely the case. It doesn't churn up a lot of excitement. Well, it, you know, we could have a full on slave rebellion at some point or some more adventure in it for an adventure film
1: yeah but it all makes sense it's rounded off neatly at the end Mm. it's got quite a satisfying ending in a lot of ways yeah Yeah. uh which is not something i would expect from a hammer film and um i I, I didn't find myself getting bored at any point Mm.
0: i i would say the setup of everything was better than the execution of once everything was in place Mm. um I would have preferred maybe a couple more catfights or a couple more sequences where a lead guy was in some kind of peril.
1: I could have done with a couple less sequences of that guy being in it at all. Okay. <laughs> he's so bland. Okay.
0: Oh, and him trying to get back to touching the magical white rhino's horns so he can get back to his own time or mm. place. Well, it's kind of set in a time cul-de-sac, isn't it? I don't know, you know, I don't know whether he's uh, sent to a mystical land or the past. It's hard to tell, oh, yeah, yeah, I
1: don't know, doesn't really matter. But however,
0: however, he you know, that just kind of happens as a fair complete at the end that he'll touch the horn again and get out, whereas it would have been more exciting for him to be
1: escaping, yeah. Which... But he didn't seem to know that that was his aim, I think he
0: did. I he kept looking at it going, I'd love to get my hands on that horn again.
1: <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know, <laughs> didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly he wanted to get back, mm. but
0: yeah, yeah, but I mean. It's a, it's a good plot, um, I think we'll cover it in a future question. Uh, it's qualities.
1: Okay.
0: Okay, anything else you liked?
1: Um, no, nothing specific. I just, I like being pleasantly surprised by a film, especially whilst we've been doing this podcast, and when there have been films which I, I've thought are going to be just the worst piece of shit I've ever seen in my life, and then they're not. Yeah. It's 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 a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm.
0: I would agree with that. Okay, anything you didn't like? Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. Loads of floats.
1: Um Yeah, I mean, a lot of it doesn't work. Um I mean I can see how they, they got men in to see this because mm. just the title alone, you know, they know what they're getting yeah. for their money.
0: I don't think my mum would have been happy to be dragged along this as a fifteen or sixteen year old girl. No, no, I don't think many day. would.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um but, uh, and I, I need to choose my words carefully here as well. No, you don't. No, I do, because you won't stop me from being offensive. It's only <laughs> afterwards. <laughs>
0: well, let's just go from the place that there's no offensiveness in your heart, and you're not going to be clumsy because you aren't.
1: Okay. In principle, yeah. it's wrong to objectify either gender. Yeah. But we'll do it. Yeah. I mean,
0: and The heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah. Mm.
1: And I think when it comes to objectifying women, mm. this happens in James Bond films all the time, yeah. right? And people seem to give it a pass. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's because the women are so beautiful in mm. some of those James Bond films that it's like, well, we're all objectifying them. You know, it's nice to look at beautiful women. Yeah. In this... It's the Ryan Gosling factor. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah.
0: I don't think there's a straight man in the world who doesn't look at Ryan Gosling and go, yeah, fair enough.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Um... I just think in this, the women are objectified. But personally, for me, they ain't that pleasant to look at. Okay. Like the, even the main one who yeah. you say has been in Bond films. Yeah. Is pretty ropey.
0: Okay. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's probably more to do with. Was there anyone that gave me the horn? No. Mm-hmm. But they are attractive women in sexually suggestive dress and slightly kinky S&M power imbalances. I can see how people would be riled up by it, get hot yeah. and heavy about it. But there's issues with the looks and the makeup. that The,
1: the I mean, makeup is bad. The hair's yeah. terrible. There's, so
0: it's, there's it's a lot of big fair. hair. There's a, I reckon if you had shares in Net. You probably, you know, probably had about a bad year in 1967 in terms of the amount of... One, one, one girl's hair, I think it's the girl from the Ken Loach films, is absolutely almost a beehive.
1: Like... Though having said that, the most attractive of the women, in my opinion, mm-hmm. has very flat hair. And it's almost like they've done it on purpose to make her less attractive than the main woman at it. She,
0: I'm guessing you think the most attractive woman is the uh, original leader of the Blonde slaves? Yeah. Okay,
1: um, yeah. Yeah. Because she is actually she she is beautiful mm-hmm. except for her hair. I, I I would
0: I would probably say Martina Biswick is is yeah. Really. Fills her role as the main the main girl. Yeah. yeah no. She's a bad girl.
1: Yeah, um, but I, it just it wasn't. You know. Did you see some of the ones in the background?
0: Oh yeah, uh, it is a really bad film for. Spotting extras who hearts aren't really in it, like yeah. some of them have got some very gorgeous expressions on their faces well things should be quite exciting to happen in front of them. One girl looked absolutely terrified about clapping in rhythm. When there was <laughs> some clapping going on, she, I right. had to point her out what was going <laughs> on, but I was like, it, she she literally looks like she's never clapped before. It's an alien concept to her, and they're making her do it in time of other people, and it, it, she couldn't be more embarrassed about the, <laughs> the right. entire proceedings. She's sure. not one of the main girls, but a couple of the brunettes with spears don't know what to do with their faces when they're threatening. Like, kind of, it's a bit like, mm, "Spirit, yeah." <laughs> Obviously, on a podcast, that doesn't translate very well what I just did. But it's like, yeah, it's like the first time they've held a spear. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, I don't <laughs> think they professional a about. actresses. Yeah. Um, I think they have probably got them off various makeup counters from. Oh, I, I the would local guess area. so. Do you want to be in a movie? Yeah.
0: Uh, same, same as a lot of the black actors who are extras in it. I'm guessing it's a case of uh, someone drove a van round to bush <laughs> and said they want to be in a movie today. at pays a tenner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Apart from the ones who do the dancing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just feel like if this film was made in Italy, mm. the women would be a lot more glamorous and yes. impressive. Yeah. And I think maybe what they should have done was some kind of swap just yeah, ship shipped some Italians over. Well, see, that's makes
0: my point. Fact, right? like kind of, you've got British actresses like Barbara Steele who do a lot of work in Italy and Italian horror as well as um, Hammer and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Mine, Martin, but Martine Beswick is one of those women. She's mm-hmm. she's in Italian spaghetti westerns and horrors as well.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, but I think once once you've hit the giddy heights of you've got a credit in a Bond film and you're a woman, in the sixties or seventies, that meant you're working. You're working right up into the director video nineties. Yeah. Yeah, because you're a Bond
1: girl. Yeah, that's fair enough. But what I'm saying is, there's a reason why the best Bond girls are not British. Okay. Right. It's why you, you you Bond girls who are British, like Jane Seymour, mm-hmm. <laughs> they just let be homely.
0: <laughs> Whereas Jane Seymour is not homely in the Bond light. She is hot.
1: I mean, she's not like Ursula Andress, is she? I don't know, I think I'd
0: probably, I mean, again, we're getting to the point where we're going to start ranking women over each yeah, other, which probably not. is not what this podcast is about. No. But, you know, no, I I think I'd prefer Jane Seymour.
1: Alright, okay, I picked the wrong option, maybe I should have gone on a black Because they don't let her be sexy. But she is. Yeah, she is, but <laughs> they stick her in, like, aviator gear. Maybe you're not the best judge of
0: what a sexy woman is.
1: I think I am. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <right>. <laughs>
0: Is Bette Midler a sexy woman? Yes, she is. <laughs> and that tells you all you need to know, podcast listeners.
1: <laughs> she commands the room. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> what else didn't you like about the, the, the prehistoric woman?
1: Um, I had to look away from the screen a few times because of that bloody fish Yeah. It made it... me feel sick. <laughs> like, but there's no reason why they should have used it. It's it alright
0: for the director and the favourite to do it, but it it's not that... alright for... A, Michael Carreras, who was daddy's money in studio to do it.
1: I think, I mean, I don't know anything about the technical side of cameras and the like. Mm. But presumably, if you use one of those lenses, you should just keep it still and let the eye sit, like, absorb, because you Mm. can see more, absorb it, which is what the the favourite does. Mm. Not move it all the way around the
0: place. I think the the idea behind the fisheye lens is, A, you're going to take in a lot of a big location, but B it makes it seem a bit alien and otherworldly, which considering the main usage of it is when we're first being introduced to their village or fortress, whatever you want to call it, Mm. does serve its purpose. Is it pleasant to watch? No, not really. And I doubt that the DVD transfer we've got is exactly the right ratio as it would have been shown. No, that's
1: that's fair enough, but it did make me feel nauseous. And I don't think it really contributed anything to the film as well. Okay. yeah, yeah, there are lots of little itty bitty things. the The way the devil devils appear, hmm. the tribe who they call the devils, um, all I could think about every time I saw them, or they cropped up, was the Mighty Boosh, because they even use a similar music okay. and the way they move and just like pop about the grass, um, it just made me laugh.
0: Well, I get the feeling that possibly the Mighty Boosh i have seen this film and have used it as a reference book.
1: i know and it works like you know it is something that's there to be parodied but in the opposite way around working backwards to see in the original it just makes you laugh okay um so that kind of got lost in, and you know it doesn't work anymore um and i got really confused by their rhino prop yeah so i understand now having seen the whole film why because they had one rhino prop which they used for both the real rhino and an idol for Rhino. That's right, yeah. But because they knew they would need to use it for a real rhino and it is clearly well, it's probably not animatronic but it's got a man inside it at one point. Um, They've actually made it look really realistic. So you spend most of the first part of the film looking at it when it's meant to be the idol thinking, is that meant to be a real rhino? Is it just really still? Uh, And I, yeah. It was was distractingly confusing. I
0: understand your confusion because, I could tell you were confused during the film and I wasn't entirely confident giving you the right answer, which, you know, so, I, yeah, I, I figured out when it was a real rhino and when it wasn't a real rhino, but there is the possibility it was just a bad special effect. Yeah. We, we kind of underestimated the movie a little bit at times is what I'd say in terms of that.
1: Yeah. But I don't think it would have been the end of the world just to give a, an intern a day's job to make a papier-mâché rhino that looked a bit shit but could just be the idol Rhino.
0: I think that probably would have been the more sensible thing to yes. do yet. But this was a film made very much to use all the buffalo bones of uh, a million years BC.
1: You know from my favourite Bond girls? Oh, come on, tell me. Oh, do you know what it's a top-up? Mariam Dabo on yeah. the one hand. Yeah. <laughs> and then Carol Bouquet on the mm-hmm. other. Yeah, but like Octopussy. You, you, a you like a
0: nice, elegant, romantic Bond girl, don't you?
1: Yeah, they should be elegant. Mm. It's Octopussy British.
0: It's more Adams. Yeah. I don't think she's... I think she's of British descent, but I think she's born somewhere colonial. Right. Could be wrong about Maud so She might be from Surrey for all I know.
1: Okay. Well, then that's who they need to get into there, someone from Surrey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You, You had an issue you brought up while watching it, but you didn't particularly like the accents of the actors and actresses.
1: When did I say
0: that? You said did they cast us in a Liverpool nightclub.
1: Oh no, it wasn't their accents. It's okay. the bad tans. <laughs>
0: the bad tans, Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. And the
1: fact that they look pretty raw. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of a lot of bisto being spread around on the actresses at times. Yeah,
1: yeah. but that's that's all part and <laughs> parcel of the bad makeup that they did. Like,
0: as a defence of Martina Beswick, and I wouldn't. Yeah, again, I, she's not my go-to girl, uh, but. She looked very good whether she was giving commands angrily or writhing around on a bearskin rug or in doing an enticing dance or having a lovely bath.
1: She was good at looking scary, yeah, because she's
0: mean. No, but she had lovely baths as well. I think she made quite an imposing and sexy figure in the film.
1: She was all right. She wasn't one of the worst.
0: Okay. <laughs> Anything else you want to bring up that you didn't like?
1: Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to... Yeah, I'll mention one more thing. I thought that this is going to sound <laughs> like I hate men, mm-hmm. but I don't. But the men are awful in it. Sometimes you hate me. Yeah, sometimes I do, but not for being in this film. Okay. <laughs> um, but the main guy who's in it the whole way through, who gets like brought into this land. Um, yeah. I'm
0: all, then... Michael Latimer, because I can't remember what his character is called. David. It's called David, was he? Yeah. Mm, Dave. Yeah, no, no, David. Right, well...
1: Um, he, uh, he's just rubbish. Um, and he's a bit thick, a bit dense. You know, he doesn't seem to... It's obvious that if he says no to this woman, she's not going to take it well. He's mm. seen what she's done to the blonde slave girl who dared to stand up to her. She's mm. popped her on a spit. Um, so... That's
0: not as dramatic as you make it sound. She, <laughs> she presses her next to the spit with her breasts which, again, is not as dramatic as I make it sound, but she's not that like, kind of spiked
1: Yeah, but the sharp bit of the spit goes through her body. She's still alive afterwards. She's not. No, she, that's the that's same That's a different girl. woman. Is it? Yeah. She dead.
0: Oh, I don't... Uh, really, she's dead. Yeah. Who oh, did I, you think she I, was? I thought she passed out.
1: What, after being stabbed through she the, through wasn't the stabbed, after She wasn't stabbed. She was stabbed.
0: All right. <laughs> interpret the films in different ways.
1: Yeah, somebody <laughs> didn't watch it, and that's what happened. Um, so... Then he gets put in this prison where it turns out there are other men, mm-hmm. uh, but they've just kept them all in a room, kind of like an engine room. Sexy bunch? Not in the slightest. Um, but they're just, they're just not necessary, it's just superfluous. So we, we don't need any men in this. Yeah,
0: no, I, I, I would definitely agree with that. Like, kind of the, the cave full of uh, ancient men prisoners yeah. who uh, act as an internal heating system for the caves, I think like they're so unnecessary i think it's just to give him that sequence where he he can break out his chains
1: yeah but but, um, it would make more sense if they were there either as like a harem mm
0: -hmm, or i would agree with that as well
1: there to impregnate the women so that they can continue the line
0: maybe that was a step too far even for the mid-60s to have Mm. male sex slaves
1: you yes. we were actual slaves it's fine to objectify women as much as you want but you can't emasculate a single man that's I would, fine
0: I would definitely I definitely agree that was the subconscious attitude of the film not that that's right in the real world but then
1: it goes one step further and the thing that really annoys me um, is that the men escape themselves mm-hmm. and they start the revolt essentially then the blonde women join in and the, the brunettes get overthrown so yeah. it's the men who are the saviors yeah
0: Hosses. Well, yeah, I, I, I wanted to see full-on girl-on-girl battles. So, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't happy with that as an ending either. Yeah, it
1: wasn't, it wasn't, it was just a really bad way to
0: go. <laughs> okay, let's have a little break and we'll cover our regular questions. Mm. Okay, regular questions. Natalie. Mm. Who was the Michael Parks of the film when everyone else was collecting a paycheck who was putting in full effort and doing a lovely job?
1: I to <laughs> um, my favourite was the lady who played Amiak, who is the leader of the blonde...
0: She's quite a statuesque blonde with slightly flatter hair than all the other beehive and uh, yeah. <laughs> rat-tailed-haired women, yeah? Yeah,
1: I don't think she chose that hair. I don't think that's her fault. I okay. think her normal hair is probably a lot nicer than that. Okay. And I looked her up. Do you know uh, what else we've seen her in? She's not been in much. Yeah. She is in the first episode of The Prisoner, which oh, She's his maid. So, you know, when he, he yeah, wakes example. up in the... Yeah. Um, in, in in the village, the village for the yeah. first time, she's the maid.
0: Yeah, but lovely stuff. Uh, that's good. I'll go over some slightly different. It, yeah. It's the very difficult thing of I don't think any of the slave girls make more of an impression than any of the others, if you see what I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of personality or. But what I would performance I did enjoy, maybe not for quality, Thespian reasons, but I quite liked Barry Johnson, who played the witch doctor. Who, when he gets captured and he's made to touch the white runner's horn at the beginning. Yeah. He's got a very... this amount. I'm just doing my job. I'm just a witch doctor.
1: Oh, okay. And,
0: yeah, you're going to be put to death. That's just how it is. And... There's something about his attitude as he's delivering his lines, which is along the lines of, yeah, it is a bit silly, but it's what's going to happen.
1: This is Barry B-A-R-I, yeah, he yeah, His yeah. name he shut on when we were <laughs> watching the credits at the
0: beginning. Oh, I do not know how to spell the name. Yeah, it turns <laughs> out it was a name from Africa. Yeah. <laughs> <And> Barry Johnson. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> to do equity at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's, such, it's such a weird little performance. Yeah, you've got about four or five lines, but there's something about how he says the lines, which very much is like, yeah, I know. I'm probably out of the pub, mate. But you know, this is what happens. You have a fight. I don't know the rules. <laughs> uh,
1: now, yeah. now you say it, I remember it the same way. So it must have been quite distinctive. Okay. Okay. Well done, Barry. <laughs> Any product placement who gets attention <laughs> to, to have their way. Johnny show. Walker Red Light. Well, they, they have
0: a little spread of drinks at the end when he gets back to civilization or the camp, mm. and there is some Johnny Walker there. Uh, I, I regret. I would say probably sales of furline bikinis went up after this
1: where would you buy a fur-lined bikini I'm sure from? there was
0: somewhere in Soho you could buy a fur-lined bikini from
1: I uh, do yeah, maybe I suppose so I don't think Bieber was doing them
0: yeah I guess, I guess cosplay didn't really become a thing until after Return of the Jedi no
1: no <laughs> and you couldn't wear a bikini in this country so you'd be wearing it on the continent. And it was illegal to wear a bikini in this country. No, because it's cold and every, no one has the physique for it. Yeah, that doesn't stop people. It's Saint-Tropez where you'd be wearing a bikini and the people of Saint-Tropez <laughs> would not react well to a furry, furry <laughs> bikini.
0: Maybe, maybe if you are at the Swiss Alps, you'd wear a lovely furline bikini to get a bit of suntan.
1: Oh, okay. Maybe if you were up there being treated for your allergies. Yeah.
0: Um, if you could make one change to... Prehistoric Women slash Slave Girls. Which title do you prefer? Prehistoric Women. Yeah, not Slave Girls. No. <laughs> because that's only half the girls thrown, isn't it? Yes. The Prehistoric Women are in charge.
1: <laughs> yeah. The
0: Slave Girls are second. Yeah,
1: they're one. not really Prehistoric either, though, are they? It no, doesn't work at
0: all. Like I say, it's set in a time cul-de-sac. Yeah. Like a place where time hasn't moved on, but you can only travel to for a certain portal. Um, uh-huh. Right, if you could make one change to improve <laughs> Prehistoric Women, what would it be?
1: I'd have the Blondes... Uh, being the, the leading the revolt at the end and either having no men mm-hmm. in it or having them set the men free and maybe kill them, that would be fun. The men, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I'd have some sex in it, like, and um, yeah, we only really have one implied sex scene It's a cutaway. I've decided I like, am going to sleep with a beautiful woman, what's that sex will be because. <laughs> The other beautiful woman thinks it might be politically advantaged for me to do it. Yeah. I I think it's the it's the it's the late sixties, Hammer should have probably started having a bit of actual nudity. Yeah. In there. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't have
1: hurt. Yeah. Y- You see the back of a woman's back at one yeah.
0: point. yeah <laughs> uh, okay. Where would you cast James Spader in this? <laughs> Leader of the blonde Slave
1: Girls? I mean you'd have to make the leap. Time wise, because obviously nineteen
0: sixty. Yeah, that's fine. But what, what role would James Spader work? He'd
1: be a great David. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Stargate
0: kind of travel through mystical portal.
1: Yeah.
0: To to yeah a warring tribe of uh. Yeah. Yeah, I've got, I've got yeah. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I I didn't think the guy who played David was that bad.
1: I mean, he wasn't a, a bad actor. A it wasn't floor. his acting <laughs> that was at fault. And I wouldn't want to blame the actor himself for... It was the part that was ropey. Mm. It wasn't... Um, he was just annoying.
0: I wonder if they make them have those kind of transatlantic, Austin powers <laughs> accents accents, so you could kind of suggest it's an American production. I don't know. Because, you know, yeah, there's times when they kind of slip between Los Angeles to Liverpool quite a lot. <laughs>
1: um... I don't know. Maybe maybe they did it subconsciously because it made them feel more like stars.
0: Yeah, more like Davy Jones from The Monkees.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah <laughs> maybe. Um, would you remake Prehistoric Women for Modern Eyes?
1: No. But I would read a novelisation of it. Yeah? Yeah. I think it would work really well as that. Like, okay. you know, a paperback.
0: I, I, I don't think there's an audience for it, but I think if you put a bit more sex and action in it, I think that... There's quite a decent basis for a plot there for an adventure movie, and we don't really seem to get these things anymore unless they're on the BBC at Christmas, as or oh, Journey to the Center of the Earth, as a yeah. I I think there is a market for jungle adventures.
1: Yeah, I agree, but it is. I mean, they they remake Tarzan every
0: few years. Yeah, it they, seems. The, the last one was really quite good, or the last one, but I know of, with uh, Alexander Skarsgård, Samuel L. Jackson, and Margot Robbie, and. It got really sniffy reviews in but it was a very good film. Oh, right. So I get the feeling that maybe critically there's no appetite for these things because they don't know how to handle it through the view of imperialism and colonialism of white people in uh, a black setting.
1: Yeah, but they don't seem to have the same kind of issue when they set stuff in, like, South America and places like that. Well, no,
0: that's, that, that would be in 20 years' time there will be very much a... A kick back, going, oh, I can't believe we've presented Hispanic people like that all the time.
1: Uh, but yeah. it can be done. I mean, we watched the Dora the Explorer movie recently, and it was done perfectly well. well. that
0: was made by Hispanics for Hispanics.
1: Yeah, well, that is the way it should be. Yeah, it's a good film. Yeah, yeah, it's excellent.
0: Okay. Um, and that leads us to our last question. Yeah. Is prehistoric women worse or better than bad boys?
1: For, for all the positive things I've said, uh, it is still grating <laughs> in places to watch and as boring as Bad Boys is it didn't offend me so I'm gonna say it's it's not as good as Bad Boys fair
0: enough. and I would say like the first half hour I was thinking you know what we might have another problem like four on our hands here mm-hmm. this, if, if they get a bit of an adventure into this mm-hmm. or keep up the sort of the level of uh, developments mm-hmm. but it kind of starts spinning its wheels once he's a uh, a slave with the blonde slave girls yeah yeah but yeah and doesn't really have much fun with the idea of, you know, yeah, he's, he's been captured now. He's a slave, but he's fallen into, like, kind of a pit of pits. <laughs> so he's not, exactly, he's not exactly suffering, is
1: he? <laughs> no, only two of them seem to have any interest in him. Fun Only two of them seem to have any yeah. interest in him whatsoever. And considering they don't see any men, yeah. you think maybe he'd be a bit more He'd popular. be passed around. Yeah. But he's that bad <laughs> that only two of the 50-odd women find him attractive. Hmm. Um, but I will say that this is one of the better Hammer horror films I've seen. Really? Yeah. Which I think, yeah, I, some of them are terrible.
0: Some of them are terrible, but I'd say this is about par for the course.
1: Well, it's one of the better ones I've seen. One of the more enjoyable and more distinctive ones, more memorable ones okay. um, that I've seen. And I, So I do think possibly, probably, the reason for its very low score is the politics. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, next episode, mm. we are going to watch yeah. Jaws 4, The Revenge. Oh.
1: Do you know what? I've never watched Jaws 4 because the second and third one are, are abysmal.
0: It's actually the worst movie we own.
1: So, be, that, but because you've decided to buy it with your I Christmas
0: bought, money. I bought Jaws 2, <laughs> 3 and 4 in a little box set. Uh, yeah, now we're going to watch Jaws 4. Thank you. That's fine, you're welcome.
1: See, the films I bring into the house don't go straight onto our list, do they?
0: Do you want to talk about Tough Turf now?
1: Tough Turf is nowhere near <laughs> one of our worst films.
0: Natalie is carrying on trying to complete her James Spader collection and spent £10,
1: 12 £10! I'm, I'm not even... 10 pounds oh, £12, pounds 12 pounds including, including delivery, yeah. For a
0: second-hand copy of 1984's Tough Turf, where James Spader takes down a gang at his new high school.
1: In a sort of musical? And
0: yeah. And it is awesome. It's
1: brilliant. It was really
0: good. Yeah. <laughs> we watched it last night, and it was an absolute blast. Like kind of, yeah. You know, it is cheesy. Uh, it, it takes some interesting turns in terms of its plotting. Mm. You're never bored. It's a very exciting piece of cinema. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, well done that. for something that I thought we'd be covering on this podcast is. It's, it's in no way a bad film.
1: It will never be covered, so, yeah. And I encourage you to go and spend £12 of your own money on, uh, not you, because we own it, yeah, our yeah. listeners, Yeah, to yeah. seek out tough turf.
0: New World Pictures, tough turf, starring James Spader, Robert Downey Jr., Covered in cocaine sweats. <laughs> Kim <laughs> Richards. Kim Richards. Now a Beverly
1: Hills house, real yeah, housewife. Life,
0: but from Escape from Witch Mountain. Escape from Witch Mountain. And she's the little girl that gets shot in the beginning of a *Salt and in 13 Yes, that's right. Yeah,
1: no, and yeah. she had a really prolific career. Yeah. Paris Hilton's aunt. Yeah, as well. that's
0: that's the same lady. Yeah, old same but, lady. Anyway, tough have Loads of fun. Sorry, we're not covering it in the podcast. <laughs> it's the kind of film we hope we'd be covering the podcast. So let's give that a try. We, you know. A, it turns out it's really good. We've not covered anything as good as tough turf.
1: When we do our James Spader podcast.
0: <laughs> oh, we go go the complete works of James Spader? Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to watch Avengers Age of Ultron. Ugh,
1: no, forget it. <laughs> right.
0: Thank you very much for listening, hopefuls.
1: Thank you for listening. <laughs>